Welcome to Get Your Go, everybody. Your host, Josh, here. And today, I'm going to talk about Jimmy G. He's on the move. He says he wants to go to a winning situation. Which team should take a bet on my good pal, Jimmy Garoppolo? Then, Jim Harbaugh makes his return to Michigan. I react to that, as long with who I think is going to win the Pro Bowl and how the rosters stack up. Then I will get into the NBA, the Lakers winning without LeBron, the Nets losing, pick some games for tonight as well coming up in the NBA, college basketball, NHL All-Star game, plethora of things to get into. But first, I want to start with the news of Tom Brady officially retiring. Uh, that broke. That news broke Tuesday, and it was very sad. Uh, Monday, I went into my podcast before the announcement was official, you know, was the plan to retire reports from ESPN on Saturday. So Monday, I basically went through every record that Tom Brady holds and how he is the GOAT. Uh, And Monday, he had his Let's Go podcast, and he says he's not made a decision, and he's still taking it, you know, day to day. And then the next day, you know, I'm just on Twitter. Next thing I know, I get flooded, you know, by Tom Brady's feed on the post with him in the Bucks uniform. And then the, uh, like, five Apple notes that he made uh, to give, you know, congrats and thanks uh, to Bucks fans, Buck Nations, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, you know, the general manager, everybody retweeted something from the Patriots and him and Bill Belichick exchanged pleasantries yesterday and just the outpouring of support and the many Instagram uh, story posts that Tom Brady has shared uh, from those everywhere. And I have to tell you, I was shocked. Just talking to average person, you know, I thought there was a lot more Brady haters out there. But after, you know, everything I've been reading about, you know, just from either the media or random people, is it the Brady haters are definitely the few minority. So that was something that took me back, you know. How many people, or maybe it's just that the Brady haters are a lot louder than those who support Tom Brady. But it was definitely emotional, got me choked up, got me sad that Tom Brady, you know, is no longer going to be playing competitive football. And I think I'm kind of fine with it right now. Considering, you know, it's still football season and it's a Super Bowl, I think it's going to be really weird next year going into the football season. And there's no more Tom Brady. I'm looking across all 32 NFL teams, Patriots, Bucks, no Tom, no Tom anywhere, Not no surprise appearance with the 49ers. He's just gone. And it really is sad the initial report, you know, against the Rams game, 
Shockley. And this whole thing is there is very saddening to me. I don't I mean, it bums me out. I think, you know, I've watched Tom Brady's final touchdown play uh, to Mike Evans on Jalen Ramsey. I've probably watched that play about 500 times because it's that is just Tom Brady right there, the best quarterback of all time. Uh, just in that one throw, the ability to maneuver out of a pot or the ability to maneuver in the pocket, you know, read the defense perfectly, make the accurate throw in a place only the receiver can catch it the most accurate time. I mean, that's just, that's just Tom Brady. I mean, uh, it just, and I think it just hurts me too, that the way he went out on a zero blitz, you know, gaffe against Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup bums me out more that the defense couldn't hold him for 30 seconds to get Tom Brady into overtime to win the game. I mean, this whole thing is just a range of emotions of anger rewatching that game, and I probably shouldn't rewatch any clubs uh, from those games. It's probably detrimental to my health. Uh, but then to sadness, love, and support uh, for Tom Brady, who was just brilliant throughout his career. You just go back and look at and all these charts people are coming up with that just show Tom Brady's, you know, superior level of goat status on the game itself and just how tremendous he was, all the records that he holds, how great he was for a duration of his career. It wasn't a, you know, five-year period. It wasn't a six-year period. It was 22 years of greatness from start to finish. He went up, he went out on top, and I, myself, like Bruce Arians, thinks it would be a travesty if Tom Brady doesn't win the MVP. I think this retirement has definitely swayed a few votes to Tom Brady's side. I believe out of the all-pro, uh, you know, votes, Aaron Rodgers got 34, Tom Brady got 16. You already had some people on the fence about Aaron Rodgers with his immunization and, you know, him kind of being this polarized figure of, uh, you know, the vaccination status and speaking out against, you know, President Biden and all these things being kind of, you know, people wanting to cancel Aaron Rodgers. I think that swayed this retirement, his send-off saying, hey, look at Tom Brady's year. He was first in almost every statistical category this year, and if he wasn't first, he was dang near close to the top, so I think this is definitely swayed. So you're looking at a nine-point swing is nine-point too big. I think it's definitely uh, shrunk. I still expect Aaron Rodgers to win the MVP, but I would not be surprised if Tom Brady wins the MVP because he's just as deserving. He's just as deserving as Aaron Rodgers or anyone else. So I think that would be amazing for Tom Brady to go out as an MVP, his fourth MVP, be one short of Peyton Manning's record of, you know, five 
MVPs. And Tom Brady, uh, you know, you can't have just a lot, you know, enough good words to say about Tom Brady. There's those who want to bring in the cheating scandals of, you know, the Patriots, you know, and try to tarnish his legacy. And I'll put Deflategate on Tom Brady where he was suspended for four games, you know, and all that. I'll put that on him. But the Spygate and the other cheating scandals that involve Kraft and Belichick, those two are clearly on those guys. So don't try to put Tom in that situation. You don't put, you know, Teddy Bruschi or any of the other Patriots, Randy Moss, in that conversation either. So I really don't want to hear, you know, just a Tom Brady slander like that. Tom Brady, you know, the dedication he put into the game, being the first one there at practice, you know, being the last one to leave, the diet, the mental edge he had on everybody, that's what made him great. Uh, He was addicted to his job of trying to win a Super Bowl and be the best there was, he wasn't the one, you know, parting midweek going on yachts and, you know, crazy adventures, you know, missing practices. That was not Tom Brady. He took what he did very, very seriously and, you know, elevated his game where he's not the most gifted, you know, quarterback ever. Uh, can't make all the crazy Mahomes-like throws, but he put in work to be the best and to work at that GOAT level. And that's what Tom Brady did. So again, congratulations to Tom Brady on just an excellent career. Uh, Again, of course, I'm sad that I won't be able to watch Tom Brady anymore. But I can say that all my life, I watched the GOAT, witnessed the GOAT. He's, you know, the Michael Jordan sort of my generation, and it was a pleasure to watch. So I think there should be no discussion now of at least a GOAT in the NFL. You want to give me, you know, people want to say, you know, Lawrence Taylor or things like that. Great players, but when you just stand back and look, Tom Brady is the only one that's accomplished what Tom Brady has done in the NFL. He is one of one. He is the only one with the records, with the seven Super Bowls, with the five Super Bowl MVPs. He is one of one. You can't compare his greatness to really anyone else's. And it would be a disservice more to the other person uh, to do that. So Tom Brady retires as the greatest NFL player in the history of the NFL. But now, how does he rack up on the GOAT of GOATs? And if you were to put him on the Mount Rushmore of GOATs. Well, this is how I evaluate the GOATs. And to me, you're the GOAT if you are really, you know, one of the four major sports that gets kind of more worldwide recognition. You've got the NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL. Uh, you know, you have your other leagues, but people just don't pay attention. Or if it's Olympic sports, you can be great at that, but, you know, you don't get the worldwide sort of recognition. You don't get the viewers or anything like that. So 
some of the goats I'm not comparing Tom Brady to, but they're the goats in their own sport, in their own right. You know, with Simone Biles in gymnastics, the Michael Phelps in swimming, the Serena Williams in women's tennis, to me, the Roger Federer, even though that's now more up to debate now with Federer and Djokovic and Nadal, you know, they all have the right to their own debate as well in tennis. So you have all these things there. Uh, they're all great, you know, you know, at their individual level with the competition that they have. But when it's a team and it's team success, it's a little bit harder uh, to win when you're dependent on others than it is, you know, just solely on yourself and your own skills because you kind of have to rise against the other person, against the other team, especially in football. The quarterback has to rise against the pass rush. You know, the secondary, he's got to rise against 11 guys that he's playing against. So I'm going to take a look at Tom Brady versus, you know, the goat of goats in the other sports. And 538 had an excellent article on this where they kind of compared Tom to the other one. So I'm just going to take a few notes from that 538 article. And the first person they compared Tom Brady to is to Jordan. And to me, that already, before I read it, that was the most logical comparison is Tom Brady and Jordan. And when you look at Tom Brady, I'm going to outline this for you already. He's number one in everything. Number one in yards, touchdowns, Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVPs, every category that Tom Brady should be a part of. He's number one, holds multiple records. So now you look at Jordan. Jordan never uh, has been number one all-time NBA leader in anything like Tom Brady is in yards, touchdowns. Uh, Jordan was never the number one, you know, in points. Kareem has been number one for a while, but Jordan never got there. He was fifth. Uh, doesn't rank in the top for assists or rebounds either. But when you look at advanced numbers, you know, you look at his uh, wins above replacement, his value, his win shares, how much attributed to him. He's in the top five and all that. Uh, much like Brady, you know, who's number one in approximate value, you know, you know, based on, you know, your number of yards compared to a QB, you know, your backup and everything like that. So that's a very a close one. You know, Tom or Jordan also uh, won six, six NBA finals, six rings as well, or six finals MVPs as well. Uh, you want to ring in 40% of his seasons played while Brady won, you know, only 40%, 35% of his seasons is a starter, but you had Jordan with his dynasty in the Bulls, three three-peats. That's great. Tom Brady in a 20-year dynasty of his own with the Patriots, you know, they won back-to-back. -back. They've won two out of three, but they never did have the three-peat uh, winning, you know, both obsessed with winning, but Tom Brady won, you know, you know, comparedly more, you know, in his sport to Michael Jordan. Lapped him and his peers as well, uh, which, you know, Jordan had the great 72-10 season. It won the NBA Finals. Tom Brady uh, had the 16-0 season but lost the Super Bowl there. So 
you have, to me, a very close call there between Tom Brady and Michael Jordan. But I give Tom Brady the slight edge because he won seven rings, won more than Jordan, and he did it in a different team in a different season at the end of his career in his 40s with Tampa Bay. And he went out at a very high level in MVP status where Jordan, you know, came back came back with the Wizards and did not have a good ending to his career like Tom Brady did. Whereas I think if Jordan were to have left after his last season in Chicago going out on top, I think this might be a different conversation. All right, Tom Brady versus Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, another one. Uh, He retired, and he had every statistical category mark at the time, you know, the home run record, the RBI record, uh, also strikeouts as well. I mean, he won seven rings, uh, batting average, you know, 13th on base percentage two, number one in slugging. I mean, Babe Ruth is one of the greats, but it was also some of the wins were pre-expansion, so it was easier to win. You know, it was just different with the Hall of Famers that Babe Ruth had on his team as well. It was just star-studded, star-studded, star-studded. I mean, you can't have any much Hall of Famers on a team now with the salary cap and everything that it is. So you can compare those to Brady's. But when you look at that dynasty, you know, pre-expansion of the rule, you know, Babe Ruth was great. But you look at him now, he's not the biggest winner in a sport and it's hard you know for now people to compare Tom Brady and look at Babe Ruth because nobody really watched Babe Ruth play you look at the numbers and say hey they're great but you don't have an appreciation like Tom Brady like Michael Jordan because there's hardly anybody left that watched Babe Ruth play that was over a hundred years ago so it's hard to say you know it was Babe Ruth I watched him do this I can't say that I can say I watched Tom Brady have six game-winning drives. I remember the 28-3 to game against Atlanta. You know, I can watch the last dance and see uh, Michael Jordan's iconic shots. But what do I do with Babe Ruth? Uh, I, I can't. All right. Moving on to Tom Brady versus the greatest in the NHL, Wayne Gretzky. All right. This is another close one because Brady's stats, Wayne Gretzky equals where, as I said, Tom Brady's number one in everything. Wayne Gretzky is as well. He has the, you know, point lead, the goal lead, you know, all-time NHL point leader, you know, assists. He has done it all. And if you look at, you know, the points adjusted, you know, for the eras, Gretzky would still be number one. He is just that good that dominant, you know, had a dynasty as well, won four Stanley Cups in a five-year period from 1984 to 1988. But that was it. He had a span of greatness throughout his career from 1984 to 1988. Much like Michael Jordan, where it was 1990 to 93, and then 94 or 96 to 98. He had two really special things, but the duration of Tom Brady's career where Wayne Gretzky was still great outside of that five-year stretch where they won, but he could not win at another team where he went to the Kings, lost a final uh, cup appearance, went to the Blues, went to the Rangers, did play well, 
but just could not get them over the hump. Whereas you look at Brady against these guys and you say, you know, Gretzky matches his uh, points total and his records right there, but he just doesn't have the rings uh, to match it, you know, and you look at just the short duration of, you know, his dynasty compared to Tom Brady's dynasty. Same with Michael Jordan. You know, to me, Michael Jordan is the closest one uh, because he's got six, Tom Brady's got seven. You look at their dynasties, it was really a six, seven-year stretch of the Bulls there. Of course, he retired to play baseball, but Tom Brady, to me, just barely edges out Jordan. Uh, And then, of course, Babe Ruth. To me, Brady is a bigger winner over Babe Ruth, so I give him him. So to me, it's clear-cut. Tom Brady, at least in team sports, is the goat of goats. Now, if you want to tell me Michael Phelps or Simone Biles or anyone else, you know, I'm not, I won't argue that. I'll let you think whatever you want. But out of these sports, to me, Tom Brady will always be my goat. He will always be the goat of goats. You want to have your Mount Rushmore Hall of Fame? That's fine. I'll just have the one statue dedicated to Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. himself because he is the goat and he is the goat of goats. Now moving on to Jimmy G. And to me, what better thing than to segue into Jimmy G even after just talking about Tom Brady, much like it was in New England, Tom Brady, the number one guy. Who you got back there? You got Jimmy G, who got two Super Bowls. Now Jimmy G again. Looks like he's on his way out. He's even said himself in uh, his news conference he had a few days ago that he expects to be traded, and he said he would like to be traded to a winning situation, and they're kind of working something out with him. So Jimmy G is going to leave, but if he wants a winning situation, where to look? Because that does eliminate quite a few teams uh, there if you are looking to win. Because uh, Houston and Houston needs a quarterback, uh, but they're not a winning situation. Denver needs a quarterback. One could argue that if they had an elite quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, it could be a winning situation. But with Jimmy G, could it be with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert in that division? You go to the NFC, Washington needs a quarterback. But you're not trying to convince me, is that a winning situation? Uh, so you go down the line, you look at, you know, Carolina, they need a quarterback. That's not really a winning situation. New Orleans, new coach, is that a winning situation? Oh, look at that, a team in their division. That's the high destination right there, I guess. Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a winning situation. They were 13-4. and four. They had the GOAT. So why not just follow Tom Brady and ask for a trade there? Because if Tampa Bay can keep their pieces and get Jimmy G, are they Super Bowl winners? No. But will they stay the class of the NFC South? Yes, they will. They got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, if he resigns. Who knows about Gronk, but you got one of the best offensive lines there, Tristan Wirfs, uh, Marpet, you know, Jensen. You might have to re-sign Leonard Fournette. Defense, you've got Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Devin White. 
this is a winning team with a great coaching staff that's still intact, surprisingly, with Bruce Arians, a Todd Bowles, and uh, Byron Leftwich. But this is my one key concern here with Jimmy G in Tampa Bay. This is a high-powered, throwing offense. Jimmy G has been used to a run-heavy first scheme with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, and kind of the receivers that you get it to them short, they make plays afterwards, you know, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. This is different. This is you throwing the ball down the field, you know, 50 yards to Mike Evans, you know, 25 yards to Chris Godwin. Not a lot of running. That's what it is. So I don't know if Jimmy will succeed in a situation like that. I could see him, instead of being more like Tom Brady in that situation, being more like uh, Jameis Winston, who was there prior to Tom Brady in that situation, we know is infamous 30 for 30 season, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. I think Jimmy G would be a little closer to that output than to Tom Brady's, you know, 40 touchdowns and 10 interception output. But that is the one team I look at right now that is a winning situation, and that needs a quarterback. That's kind of the one clear to find one, and you have, you know, owner and general manager there at Tampa Bay clearly stating that they still want to win. They're all in on winning. Uh, So that's the one I would definitely, you know, keep a lookout for and wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy G lands in Tampa Bay which, again, would be a tough act to follow considering who was just there the past two years and made a big impression there. Another thing I want to talk about, and to me this is just a great story itself, is the Cincinnati Bengals making it to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's remarkable. It really is. You know, a few years ago, Two years ago, they had the number one draft pick uh, because they only won two games that season. They were 2-14. and 14. They were terrible, terrible, terrible. Then they draft Joe Burrow. Uh, hope things get better. He gets injured last year. They have four wins, only four. They're still terrible. They doubled their win output, but that's still bad. So things aren't really that high. They got Jamar Chase. And now they're in the Super Bowl. They go from two wins to four to ten in the Super Bowl. In that short of a span, I mean, that's just amazing. That's great scouting, uh, great uh, drafting, great culture and process there in Cincinnati to kind of turn what was a joke of an NFL team there for a stretch here to a Super Bowl contender and what I think will be a perennial Super Bowl contender. I think this will be a team that in future years will be a tough out for the rest of the league. I think Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, they're going to be a problem for the rest of the league for a while. Uh, and you're going to have to deal with them. So just a great story there with Cincinnati. Um, again, I talked to them about a little bit about them on Monday, doing a little bit today. Uh, 
just to keep them relevant because next week in preparation for the Super Bowl, that's all I'll be talking about, the Bengals and the Rams. So I'm saving it a lot for next week, the week before the Super Bowl. What else is there? Jim Harbaugh is returning to Michigan. My thoughts since I am a Michigan man. I'm surprised. I thought he was gone. When I heard the report, I think it was Monday or Tuesday that, I think, yeah, Tuesday night that he's interviewing again with the Minnesota Vikings. I thought it's over. He's flying out there to Minnesota. Watch, he's going to put on the hat right there. You know, get the shirt, get the welcome in. I thought it was over for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. But as the day kept going on, I got more hope. I thought, hey, nothing's been announced yet, and I know anything can happen at any time. I can get an alert right now that says breaking Jim Harbaugh taking a five-year deal in Minnesota or whatever it was. But no, I get the alert. This just in, Michigan, uh, Jim Harbaugh tells Michigan he's going to stay, and then he says he's going to stay as long as he wants him there. So I think he's returning to Michigan for good for the rest of his career. I think he put the sort of feelers out there, and no one took the bait. I think Jim Harbaugh didn't get the Minnesota job because he wasn't offered it. I think he was expecting this great contract of John Gruden-esque money of $10 million a year, $100 million 10-year contract, you know, a lot of control of a football team. And it just it didn't work out for him. Minnesota didn't think he'd be the right fit. So now they turn to the Rams' offensive coordinator, it looks like, and they'll hire uh, him after the Super Bowl. But I think this is good for Jim Harbaugh. I think it's good for Michigan. Michigan, to me, will be more competitive there. Josh Gaddis is staying as well. I think the offense will be fine. My defense now is the biggest question mark with the coordinator leaving, the players leaving. That's it. But Jim Harbaugh, it'll stay good. And I like how Jim Harbaugh was at least transparent with recruits and telling people, hey, you know, you know, honesty, like if I get offered this job, I might accept it, but I could come back. I still want you here at Michigan. And I like how he said, this isn't going to be an every year thing. Are you going to wonder, am I taking this job? Am I not? Because Michigan has a top 10 recruiting class this year to compete again with the likes of Ohio State. So I think this is great for Michigan that Jim Harbaugh is staying. Because you look at the replacements and people were throwing out Matt Rule from Carolina, who I really didn't want, or the Campbell guy from Iowa State, again, don't want, or Luke Fickle. I was really going to pull for Josh Gaddis if he left. But he didn't. So Jim Harbaugh stays. I expect Michigan to build on their success with the talent that they have on their roster with the recruits that signed. I expect a big year. And we won't be talking about this Jim Harbaugh, Minnesota thing anymore because all we need to know is that Jim is back where he belongs his alma mater Michigan where he can take them to a national title build off a playoff success last year this is great news 
for the Wolverines. Next, the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is on this weekend. Who do I think will win? AFC has won four times in a row. And I think they're going to continue that trend. I think they win again this weekend. And when I look at the roster there, I'm going to go, you know, roster by roster to evaluate. Quarterbacks for the AFC, Justin Herbert, fantastic year. Patrick Mahomes, one of the best quarterbacks, and Mac Jones. So I really like uh, those quarterbacks there. And then you look at the NFC quarterbacks. You've got Kirk Cousins, con artist Kirk, replacing Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson, replacing Tom Brady, and Kyler Murray. Uh, I am taking the AFC quarterbacks. Uh, Kyler Murray, terrible end to the year. Con artist Kirk, you know, inconsistent. Russell Wilson, decent finish to the year, but not his greatest season. Up against Justin Herbert, who balled out. Patrick Mahomes and Mac Jones, who I expect to be second in rookie of the year voting on offense. Yeah. I'll take the AFC side of that. They've got the experience. They've got the better quarterbacks right there. NFC running backs, Dalvin Cook, James Conner, Alvin Kamara, and Kyle Juszczyk. Those are all good running backs, but to me, they're not better than the AFC. Jonathan Taylor, lead leaguer in rushing yards this year. Nick Chubb, a tremendous and Najee Harris. Najee Harris led the league in uh, touches this year. I mean, he was a workhorse for them. I will take that. I like the Dalvin Cook Camara. Uh, I don't think James Conner is, you know, that strong. I think he's a, definitely a good goal line threat. But Jonathan Taylor, he was a guy this year. Uh, Najee Harris, another tremendous year. I'll take the AFC running backs over the NFC uh, running backs. Wide receivers. Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Deontay Johnson, Hunter Renfro. So to me, the two key guys are Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, and the fact that Tyreek does have a uh, rapport with Patrick Mahomes already, whereas the NFC is Justin Jefferson, Debo Samuel, Mike Evans, CeeDee Lamb. I'm going to go with the NFC here. Just because of the depth. I like Tyreek Hill. I like Stephon Diggs a lot. But the Hunter Renfro, the other one, I'm not too hyped on. Whereas the wide receiver core for the NFC here, it's really good. Debo, Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, C.D. Lamb. I mean, I'll give the NFC this one. Tight end, George Kittle and Kyle Pitts. Two tremendous years for those guys. But I'm going to give it to AFC again. Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. Mark Andrews had the best tight end year, you know, out of all tight ends this year. Travis Kelsey was right there at two. So, yeah, I'm going with Travis and Mark Andrews. And, again, like I said, you got Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes. I like this so far. So, AFC categories right now are three to the NFC category one. All right. Now, defense. Who are some of your key defensive stars? Miles Garrett on the AFC, Max Crosby, who led the league in pressures, uh, DeForest Buckner, Chris Jones, uh, TJ Watt, 
Matt Judon, I mean, J.C. Jackson, Kevin Byard, Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. I mean, that is a loaded defensive front. You look at the defense for the NFC, you got Nick Bosa, who's tremendous, Cameron Jordan, you know, Vita Vea, Javon Hargrave, Chandler Jones, who kind of had a couple decent times, Shaq Barrett, Robert Quinn, Trevon Diggs, Trevia Slay. Um, to me, this is more of a push, but I think I'll go with the AFC. I like that front. TJ Watt, who I expect to win Defensive Player of the Year. Bear Miles Garrett, who I thought could be number two or number three on that list as well. That's a nasty front seven in of itself, and then the back end there is just better. Special teams, Jake Elliott's a kicker. Brian Anger is the punter. And you look at the AFC special teams, AJ Cole, Justin Tucker. Uh, Justin Tucker, Mr. Automatic, tremendous year as always. AFC, AFC is loaded. Individually, I like them better. Uh, The players, more than the NFC, I expect the AFC to win this game and make it a fifth straight win for the AFC. But congratulations to all those players for making uh, the Pro Bowl. Now moving on to the NBA. Last night, the Lakers won without LeBron. I mean, I can't believe it. I I was in shock that they won. I really was that they won without LeBron. Because they had the early lead. You know, 28-16, end of the first quarter. But then they get outscored in the second quarter. In the third quarter, they're losing going into the fourth. And I thought... This is a typical Lakers collapse. They're going to lose this game. Um, but no, the fourth quarter, they play well, and the Trailblazers play poorly. Anthony Davis finished with 30 points. He was aggressive and tremendous. Carmelo Anthony, white hot, not red hot, white hot from three, five of six, 24 points. He was tremendous. It overcame uh, Powell's 30 points. I mean, Great effort for Portland and the Lakers. This is a huge win. Without LeBron, this is one you needed as you were, you know, the ninth seed. You know, in the Western, you're slowly falling. You were once, you know, the fifth or sixth, and you're slowly creeping back, you know. So that was a big win, you know, by the Lakers to just stay at bay with the teams that are in the six to eight range. Also, the Nets, they did the opposite of what the Lakers did. You know, no Kevin Durant. You play the Kings. You need to win. And you don't. You blow the lead. Uh, You're up, and then they outscore you almost by double in the fourth quarter. 29-15, to or to 15. What a rally. And they hand the Nets the six straight loss. The Nets, they're skidding right now. And they're rolling out of it. They were once the number one team in the East. They are now the sixth team. And this is a tight conference. Literally, the one to nine spot, five and a half games back. I mean, that is just the parity and how close that it is, how tight the East is. But when you're Brooklyn and you know Kevin Durant is not coming there to help you, until March, 
you know, things start looking a little bit bleak. Tyree Irving, only a part-time player, all that takes into consideration like, hey, we might not get for one seed, but we better not be in the play-in because uh, then we'll be playing games to just get into the playoffs and in the top team. So Brooklyn, this is something that they need to snap, and this is something that Steve Nash needs to take credit for. He needs to be uh, a better coach for this team. But tonight, you got a couple games on. More in a couple, but I'm going to pick a couple games. Suns and Hawks. You've got Trey Young going up against CP3 and Devin Booker. And I really want to do pick the Hawks because the Hawks, you know, are definitely doing better than they were a while ago. They've won seven of their past ten games. I want them to win. I want them to beat the Suns, and the Suns can get ten losses. I'm sick of my household. And all this Suns, you know, talk that they're blabbing about how good they are at taking it. Uh, somebody needs to shut them up, and I'd love for it to be the Hawks. Do I see it? No, I'm picking the Suns to win. But it would be a welcome surprise if the Hawks were to win. I'm giving them a shot with Trey Young uh, to keep them in the game. Uh, and, you know, him, John Collins, all of them, I think they're great. Uh, but I think, you know, CP3, Dylan Booker, Aiden, the depth that the Suns have, it's just too much for the Hawks right now. Then you got the Lakers. Lakers are playing on a back-to-back, you know, they win this game, uh, they leapfrog the Clippers, and they go to the eighth spot. So this is a big game, but do I expect LeBron to play? No, I don't. So I got to pick the Clippers. If LeBron's playing, I'll pick the Lakers. But that is just, you know, how little faith I have in LeBron or in a Lakerless LeBron team or a LeBronless Lakers team is I don't expect him to win games without LeBron, uh, which is sad because they have a, a decent roster, but they just can't win when LeBron's in the lineup. And it's a surprise when they do. It was a surprise last night when they won. But to me, even though it's the Trailblazers, they should win. It's just surprising when they win. And, you know, a few years ago, it was an expectation to win. Now it's a surprise if they win. So uh, I don't like that the Lakers need to do something to fix this team. But they're not in a situation to. So it's just going to be very sad. I think for the Lakers, it's going to be a long, slow march into descent. That's why I'm picking the Clippers to win tonight. Then in the NHL, you have the All-Star game on this weekend. And let me be entirely honest with you. You know, Mary turned off to be All-Star game uh, with kind of the snubs and the way it was announced and even how it's marketed, you know. I know it was coming up because they made the announcements, but they don't make a a deal about it. I don't know when it was going to happen. I look at my phone and, you know, oh, you know, they're playing on Saturday. It's an all-star game. You know, NHL has a big problem with marketing, a big problem with Gary Bettman there as well. So I'll leave that at that. But one thing I do want to mention about the NHL 
is I wish I bet on the Coyotes because the Coyotes beat the Avalanche on Tuesday. You know, hottest team in the NHL, Colorado Avalanche, have been playing tremendous. Coyotes, like the worst team in the league. And the Coyotes won the game 3-2. to two. I think it was the biggest NHL upset in like 10 years, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and the crazy thing is Colorado looked like they were going to win. They were up 2-1 to one forever, you know, in the third period. Uh, and with like a minute left in the game, Coyotes tied up the game, goes into a shootout, and the Coyotes win. You know, they beat Darcy Kemper, their old goalie who left them. I mean, that was just great. Congrats to the Coyotes. That's like team of the week type stuff is, you know, beating Colorado, ending their 18-game home winning streak as well to do it there. I mean, just a great win by the Arizona Coyotes and by Scott Wedgwood as well. 38 saves on 40 shots. Uh, just tremendous performance by the Coyotes. I'll tip my hats to them. Their best win of their 11 wins this entire season. And now I'll wrap up with some college basketball. Uh, yesterday, upset as well. Illinois beat Wisconsin. Illinois looks like they're back. Kofi Coburn dropped 37 points. Uh, they have now beat Wisconsin, who was top dog. They've beat uh, Michigan State. So look at them. Watch out at Illinois. They're number one alone in the Big Ten. You know, Purdue sitting there at four. You know, because they have three losses. All three are in the conference where Illinois only has two. But Illinois is a team to watch out for. You know, don't let them uh, think, you know, that they're not the real deal. Because that's a really good Illinois team led by uh, experienced big man Kofi Coburn. But tonight you got a, quite a, a few games. you got three games on the ESPN networks. You've got two minor games. Gonzaga, San Diego, USC, Arizona State. But you got a big one. You've got number three, UCLA, going up against number seven, Arizona, here in Arizona. What should be a great game, kind of a rematch of a game that happened a couple weeks ago where UCLA just smashed Arizona at home. Now Arizona is looking for revenge. UCLA 16-2. and Arizona is 17-2, and two. but I expect UCLA to still win this game. Johnny Juzang, you know, tremendous, tremendous player. Uh, Jaime Jaquez Jr., Tiger Campbell. I mean, I like UCLA because they match up with good teams like Arizona, and they've got the experience. This group has been there before. They were there in the Final Four last year, I know. Tommy Lloyd, the coach of Arizona, has been with Gonzaga and Mark Few and has, you know, been in big games. But to me, it's the players who leave it all on the court. It's the players that have the biggest impact, especially in a game like a basketball. And it's UCLA, who I think will come out on top. I think Arizona offensively as a whole might be a little bit scarier, a more complete team where UCLA definitely relies on its stars and its stingy defense as well, you know, holding opponents to just under 64 points a game. They're on a six-game winning streak as well. So I expect this to be a lot closer 
than that first matchup was in UCLA where UCLA just stormed off them off the court. I think this will be a much closer, tighter game. But in the end, I have UCLA pulling away and winning it. Give me the Bruins tonight. So this has been Get Your Goat. Get Your Goat, named after the goat himself, Tom Brady, who's no longer with us. And I know me, myself, a lot of people, you know, are acting like he's dead. We're just reflecting on Tom Brady. But he did kind of die. The football character known as Tom Brady is no longer there. Uh, again, this is get your goat because Tom Brady is the goat. But even that is subjective to a few. So who's your goat? Who is your goat of goats? Is it Tom Brady? Is it someone I mentioned? Or is it someone else? I'd like to know. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.